tuned in to the Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. And today we are speaking with Tiffany Ditto. Tiffany is the Director of Marketing and Communication for Texas Coalition for Animal Protection. TCAP is a nonprofit organization committed to providing high-quality, low-cost veterinary services to underserved communities with a focus on spay-neuter surgeries and preventive care. TCAP seeks to reduce pet overpopulation and improve animal welfare across Texas through its eight North Texas locations, more than 40 off-site travel locations, educational initiatives, and free feral fix programs, TCAP strives to make a significant and lasting impact on the lives of animals and those who love them. Tiffany, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Stacy. Wow. So much to talk about today. I'm so excited. I love spay-neuter. I love TNR. I love feral cats. This is super, super exciting. So before we dive into all the info about your organization, first and foremost, tell me, how did you become passionate about cats? Yeah. So I would say ever since I was little, I was very passionate about just animals in general, love all sorts of animals, was always that kid that wanted to go to the zoo or volunteer at the animal shelter. So this was really kind of a a natural transition for me and something that I was really excited about. I first started at TCAP. I saw the job posting and I thought, wow, what a dream. (laughs) Be my dream job. And so I started here as the marketing coordinator, and we've continued to grow our team to what it is today. And tell me a little bit more in greater detail than the blurb that I read about the Texas Coalition for Animal Protection. Tell me a little bit more. You say you have eight locations, and then you travel to 40 offsite locations. How does that translate into spay-neuter surgeries on, say, an annual basis? Yeah. So every year on average, we do about 67,000 spays and neuters across all of our locations. So we are a nonprofit low-cost provider. We provide spays and neuters for community-owned pets, shelter animals, rescue pets housed in other rescue organizations. And we provide free sterilizations for feral cats at each of our eight DFW area locations. How many feral cats does that translate into? Well, last year it translated into 11,546 to be exact. And so, and that was in 2022. Excellent. You came prepared. (laughs) I tried. (laughs) What is your organization's thoughts, ideas around TNR, Trap New to Return, Return to Field? Where does your organization sit on that topic? Yeah, so we are huge proponents. Everyone who works here is an animal lover. And we believe that the way to end senseless euthanasia in our city shelters, whether that be for own pets or, you know, feral cats that get caught and picked up by animal control or caught and then brought to the shelter, is by ensuring that these animals are sterilized. So just controlling the population from the beginning. And we are so thankful for all of the feral trappers and feral caretakers that bring the cats from their community to our clinic. 
for these services because we really wouldn't be able to do it without them. Especially the Dallas-Fort area is so large. <laughs> there are millions of people who live in this metroplex. And so when we look at the different neighborhoods that may be inundated with colonies that need help, you know, they need sterilization, they need vaccines, just general care that they're not getting because they live outdoors. That's something that we're really passionate about. And so we'd like to think that we've made a impact and we continue to make an impact in the lives of these cats. Every cat who comes to us obviously will receive a spay and neuter and a rabies vaccine before they're sent back out to the colony. And then depending on the request of the caretaker for what they're seeing in their colony, they might get additional vaccines or FIV, FELB testing, things like that. So are you giving a ferals, this is a new hot topic, FVRCP vaccines? If it's requested by the caretaker, some do, some don't. And so we usually let that be up to you know, the caretaker's request and then obviously the veterinarian's discretion on they will administer that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's something that we may be looking at on a national level to try and understand because, yes, the basic has been the rabies vaccine and the spay neuter, but then the Hanluk and various other disease outbreak issues you know, we certainly, I think, are less interested in doing SNAP testing, feline leukemia, FIV testing. But if the FERCP, even just one shot can really help, I think that may be trying to slip its way into sort of that standard packaged protocol. But some research needs to happen in order to determine, you know, its effectiveness and being a worthy investment. Tell me if I'm wrong. I believe there are some parts of Texas, where there's actually folks that will trap cats and that the organization will help with paying those folks for their time to do the TNR to help assist, which I think is just magic to my ears to a certain degree. Do you work with those types of scenarios? We do. So we have a lot of partner groups. I'm going to call them groups, but they're also nonprofits and other organizations that are dedicated solely to feral cats. So one that comes to mind off the top of my head is Dallas Cat Lady. And so a lot of times if you will trap the cat in your area, she will come get it and she will bring it to our clinics. So she'll bring groups of cats for sterilization. And we allow each group to bring four per day in the traps. And we also sometimes though, so say for instance, a group like that has, you know, a lot of cats for whatever reason, or maybe they have a large area that they cover. They have, you know, caretakers from different cities nearby that are all kind of close together. We do often arrange with them, you know, feral spay and neuter days where we just dedicate the whole surgery schedule to feral cats. And right. our techs love it. They think it's just so fun. <laughs> they love they a feral day. <laughs> blow right through on that one, right? Yes. Yeah. But I mean, the so these individual trappers or groups that do trapping, they do generate some revenue because they get some payment for that. And yeah, I don't know how that all works out, but it seems like in some parts of Texas, the trappers are actually able to receive some payment either, you know, for their gas money and for their time. I'm sure it's not a ton of money, but something is certainly better than nothing. I find it very interesting. I don't hear about that happening in any part of the country other than Texas. Interesting. And see, we kind of thought it might be an everywhere thing. But yeah, so we have a lot of the feral groups that are, especially the ones who have incorporated as a, a 501c3, you know, they often fundraise for other donations and things as well. So that's another avenue, you know, to support feral cats. Maybe you're not a trapper or maybe, you know, coming to work for an organization like us that performs space and neuters isn't your thing. <laughs> 
but you can always support by donating to the organizations who are, you know, on the front lines. Right. Right. Yeah. Interesting. So how long has your organization been doing this? Since 2002. So we started with one location in Denton, Texas and have grown and continue to grow. The need's not slowing down. Well, that was my next question. So my next question was based on the volume of surgeries that you're providing. And as you were growing, are you concentrating your spay neuter surgeries densely enough in a targeted area to be able to see an impact in the shelters in your region, in the calls that animal control is getting about cats? I mean, how are you measuring your effective impacts based on, you know, the wide range, eight different communities and 40 locations? How do you, you know, determine that you are reaching your organization's goals, which is reducing cat overpopulation? Yeah. So as of now, all of our clinics are located in North Texas. And then all the locations we travel to, the 40 offsite clinics for our low-cost vaccination services, are usually typically in the North Texas area as well. We track our numbers year over year. I would say the biggest challenge has definitely been the continued population growth in the area. So we continue to see people moving to North Texas. It's a very hot spot for homes and jobs and families looking to take up roots here. But since we started, since our founding in 2002, with our very first clinic in Denton, at that time, the animal shelter had a 90% kill rate. So almost everything that was coming in did not make it out. Thankfully, today, the Denton Animal Shelter has a 90% live release rate. So we are seeing that. Some of our bigger shelters like Dallas have been more challenging or Fort Worth because they serve a huge city and larger metroplex. But we are seeing a lot of these smaller shelters be able to reduce those numbers and go from maybe a a negative view of the amount of animals that they have to euthanize each year to something more positive. If you could, resources aside, improve the lives for all your community cats, say, you know, in North Texas, you know, what is missing? What would you add in order to be able to support the community cats in North Texas? I think the number one thing that's missing is probably a deeper understanding of the unique needs of feral cats and just cat colonies in general. These are definitely wild cats that just happen to be small. (laughs) And so they, you know, live in groups and obviously face many different challenges, sickness, illness, things like that, but don't have the luxury of you know, a normal habitat for a cat, right? So we're not in a jungle. We're not in the plains of Africa. We're not in a place that these cats would normally live in the wild. This is a neighborhood. It's your backyard. So I think just educating the public on what resources are available to be able to control these populations and prevent, you know, community cats from taking on a negative image of a nuisance or or what have you, because I do think that sometimes happens in communities where the population is just out of control. And and it's not their fault. No, not at all. And really normalizing community cats is what we're all about. You know, TNR is the way to go 
with our community cats that are out there and involving our community with the cats, getting to know them, getting to know your neighbors, understanding who's caring for the cats, who's not. It's just really important. And it's so many of us nowadays, we don't even talk to our neighbors. We don't even know who they are. And cats really can be that bridge to getting to know your community and understanding. And that's the best thing that we can do as our advocates for our community cats and really bringing TNR forward as being really the viable solution for cats in the community and ensuring everybody who has an owned cat out there has their cat spayed and neutered because we don't want Adam and Eve to get released right out there and start the process all over again. So that is a for sure situation. But with that being said, doing a lot of spay neuter surgeries and you've got some wellness work going on there. We do hear about veterinary shortages and we also hear about technician challenges, hiring technicians. We hear work-life balance. We hear burnout with the you know, staff, et cetera. How is your organization addressing this issue? Want an easy grant opportunity for your animal organization? Maddie's Fund is giving away a $3,000 grant each month to one lucky Maddie's Pet Forum member. You'll automatically be entered to win each month when you start a new discussion, reply to a new post, or upload a new library resource. Learn more at forum.maddiesfund.org today. Tomahawk Live Trap exceeds customers' expectations by providing them with the highest quality humane animal control products available. Check out their new Pro Series Gravity Door Trap. They feature a door that sets automatically when you open it. No hook or plate setting needed. Use discount code KEEPITHUMANE for 10% off your order at livetrap.com. Are you passionate about spay-neuter? Do you want to create more low-cost opportunities for spay-neuter in your hometown? If this sounds like you, then there's a brand new podcast you'll definitely want to check out. Tune in to United We Spay, a monthly podcast from our friends at United Spay Alliance, hosted by me, Stacey LeBaron. Each episode delves into the heart of the spay-neuter movement, addressing root causes of overpopulation and empowering communities for a brighter future. On United We Spay, we answer tough questions, shift the conversation from symptoms to prevention, and champion solutions for limited access to affordable spay-neuter services. United We Spay is your go-to source for making a difference, spreading knowledge, and elevating the conversation around the importance of spay-neuter. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Yeah, so this is definitely a challenge that we've faced as well. And I would say one of the things that we've done is, especially for our technicians, we don't require any previous experience. So if you think that entering this field is something that you're interested in, we are more than happy to train you from the ground. And so I think that's really helped and that's helped us kind of retain staff and be able to hire more people and get them that experience that they you know, want and may not have the opportunity to get at another practice who is looking for someone with years of experience. As far as the veterinarian shortage, in 2023, we launched a veterinary surgery externship program. So we are inviting students to come and perform space and neuters under the supervision of a licensed veterinary surgeon and learn experience the world of shelter medicine, experience the world of high quality, high volume spay and neuter, and see if that's a field that they want to go into. You know, when the vets are in school, often they are exposed to 
different areas of medicine, but not always shelter medicine. And a lot of times shelter medicine does get somewhat of a bad rap, right? We immediately go to, oh, animal shelter, you're just going to euthanize pets all day. How sad. But that's not what we do here. And so it's definitely a great avenue for doctors to make a huge impact on the community in that way without the sadness that would come from having to make those tough calls. And so we're really excited about the externship program. It's available for vet students to apply now, and we are continually adding dates. You should have the next semester's dates posted soon. Excellent. Excellent. And I also am on the board of the United Spay Alliance, and we are very actively trying to promote high-volume, high-quality spay-neuter wet labs within each state. So trying to just be able to get veterinarians to group together, you know, the ones that know how to do it and the ones that want to know how to do it. Let's get everybody in the same room together and try and share the wealth throughout the state to be able to build capacity. Because even if you are a private practice veterinarian, if you learn how to do a high volume, high quality spay neuter, a quicker spay and neuter, it's going to benefit you and your staff because even if it enables you to shorten your day, it's worthwhile because that means there's more time for you to be home with your family. So there's all of these Mm -hmm. incredible efficiencies that we can share from within the veterinary the animal welfare community to the private practice veterinary community that I think they can take advantage of within their own practice to be able to make their practices run more efficiently or at fewer hours and make more money in a shorter period of time, which I know we don't want to talk like we are a business, but we are a business. Even a nonprofit is a business. I mean, you're the director of marketing and communication. So, you know, your organization is a business as a nonprofit. How does your organization survive? And like, would you recommend someone else? Our theme for 2024 is see it, solve it. So if you're in a community that does not have a clinic, you know, would you recommend that we just get on that bandwagon and start one right up? Definitely. So, you know, our mission is to end pet overpopulation and euthanasia. And, you know, you're right. We are at the end of the day, people come to us and exchange money for services, which I think is the definition of a business. (laughs) And so there is a need. And I know there's many, many rural communities, even outside of Texas, just across the United States, where there is just a general lack of any veterinary care, much less low cost care. And so, you know, it's very important. We do a lot of grassroots fundraising. So a lot of our funding comes donors who support our mission. And usually our donors are the people who have used our services in the past. So maybe they needed us last year and this year they're got a new job or just, you know, something in their life has changed and they, maybe they still do need us and they're giving us the little bit that they have left over, or maybe they don't anymore. And they just want to give back because they remember those times when we help support them. So we get funding, of course, from donations. And then also through our low-cost vaccination program that really does help support the deficit we start every day with our Spain New Year programming. So, And there are many different ways for you to design a business plan around a Spain neuter clinic. So where there are some models where it's donation-based, there are other models where you are really creating more of an affordable clinic that is maybe a third or a half of what retail, what I would call retail would be. So there are also 
definitely different business models and your business can fluctuate and evolve between one to the other. So say you don't have a lot of money for startups. So then you're starting maybe at a higher ticket price to be able to break even. Then you get your funding for subsidy amounts later and that kind of thing. But I feel starting a spay-neuter clinic, if you do have the staff on board, the risks are much lower than the rewards versus I find an adoption program much more risky on the financial side than on the clinic side because there's so much revenue options in there on the dollar side that I'm trying to work hard, thus this conversation, to encourage folks to think about building their own spay-neuter capacity. You don't have to be a veterinarian to start a clinic or to do a mash, a mash feral cat day or something like that. You could do one of those a month. And I bet you in 2002, when your clinic started, you know, you weren't out there doing thousands and thousands right away. There was a ramp up time in there. Oh, for sure. When we first started, you know, we were one location, one night a week. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, I would say the first step, you know, is just to find a doctor who's on board and willing to help you out, whether that's whether, you know, you yourself are a veterinarian and this is your calling or whether you are able to just reach out to local veterinarians and see who would be able to help you one night a week, one day a week, whatever the case may be, and set that up. And that's definitely the, the first step. But you're right. There's a lot less risk involved because we don't actually have to house the, we don't house animals. So we're not paying for their food and their housing, you know, just general sheltering. <laughs> we're just keeping them for a few hours a day. Right. You're focused on this one point in time. I used to always tell folks when we were out working on colonies and be out there and they, the folks in the neighborhood would be like, oh, you know, you've got the cat. I don't need the cat back. You've got the cat. I don't need, I'm like, I don't have the cat. I'm borrowing the cat. I just borrow the cat for 24 hours. I'm not owning it. I'm borrowing it and I'm bringing it right back. And they somewhat understood the term borrow and realized that I wasn't the one who has the option to keep the cat forever. But that's what you're doing in that spay neuter process. You're just borrowing that cat for just enough time you know, five minutes for a male cat, 15 for the female cat or less, you know, just enough time to get the job done so that then you are, you know, preventing substantial cat overpopulation in your community. And it sounds like statistically speaking, the numbers in your area are going down. And it is a challenge in areas where your population growth is going up. There's a lot of transient population. So, you know, cats are moving out just like people are moving out and cats are moving in just like people are moving in. So, we're not in a bubble here, which is hard because then you're really having to always provide this maintenance level of spay neuter for the own cat community so that then you're preventing that Adam and Eve situation. And so, you know, the more capacity, spay neuter capacity you can build up, the better. You have also, though, all this wellness time out there too. Was that a conscious decision to go with the wellness vaccination clinics or? you know, in terms of staffing and revenues, or, I mean, I wonder why do you choose to do that versus having all the resources going into spay neuter? Yeah. So obviously, you know, with the veterinary shortage, there are some doctors who high volume spay neuter is not their gig. So we do have doctors that just provide wellness services. And we're really firm believers in that, especially for owned pets, so owned cats, 
one of the reasons that people will surrender their cat to a shelter is because of any financial constraints. So maybe you can't afford the wellness care for your cat. So your city requires your cat be registered and you live in an apartment and they require the registration before you can even have the cat. Well, to do the registration, you might need the rabies vaccine. And if you can't afford that, (laughs) then, you know, we're back to square one. So we're firm believers and we don't want anyone to have to make that decision to choose between eating today and providing care for your animal. And so adding the wellness program for us was definitely a way we feel to mitigate additional animals being surrendered to shelters. And whether that's, you know, later in their life after they've had a spay or neuter or before. So if someone comes in and they have a cat that's not spayed or neutered, they come in for wellness, there's a conversation? Yes. So we do all of our wellness services on a walk-in basis. So there's no appointment required and they'll come in. We, our staff are, you know, non-judgmental. Of course, we're going to recommend the full set of core vaccines, but if that's not in the bag today, hey, no problem. You know, we recommend this. Come back, see us anytime if you're ready or, you know, wanting to get those services for your cat. Hey, we also recommend, you know, they be sterilized. Here's our pricing for that. We also run different specials. So, you know, here's our website webpage where you can find different specials that we're running based on our budget and funding or different grants that we've received. So you might qualify for those. Keep an eye. You never know when one, you know, is going to be to your fortune. Right. And I won't get too much into the like operational weeds of things, but I do notice with high volume, high quality spay and neuter clinics, there is a certain window, age window of cats that many organizations are willing to do to spay or neuter, but then there's another age group that sort of has a different level of attention. Do you have that age window also? We do. So we will spay or neuter younger than five years old. So once they turn five, we really recommend that they visit a full service vet practice because animals are just like people in that at a certain age, things start to get a little different. (laughs) Whether that be, you know, we have different joint problems, or maybe we have breathing challenges, or, you know, we've developed diabetes or something, you know, just throughout our life. And so we usually recommend that they be sterilized at a full service and that they do still get sterilized. Any pets younger than five, so our minimum age is 10 weeks and two pounds. And for males younger than six months, we ask that their testicles be descended. If they don't drop by six months, then we're happy to go looking around for it. (laughs) It's not coming down. But yeah, and so we have that prime window. And it's really at the end of the day, just for the best care for that animal. We want to see every animal live a long, happy life. Yeah, I just think it's good to communicate that because I don't necessarily feel like that's shared publicly too often. 10 weeks, that's fantastic. I'm a huge fan of feline fixed by five. And so I really support your advocacy at 10 weeks and uh, two pounds makes sense. I've also been hearing there's been a bit of a push to go more to three pounds. And I'm glad you're staying the course at two pounds. And I I mean, they just bounce back so fast. They do. And, you know, we really rely on the expertise of our surgeons. And so if for any reason they feel even on that day that the pet is not a good candidate, so maybe they've, you know, observed some illness like diarrhea or coughing or something, then, you know, we always definitely 
would prefer to err on the side of caution and will reach out to the owner to reschedule or the, the caretaker. So, hey, let's get some meds going and come back in a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Tiffany, if folks are interested in finding out more about your organization, how would they do that? Yeah, so you would visit texasforthem.org. On our website, you will find a plethora of resources about feral fix, if that's what you're interested in, ways to donate to us, or how to get your pet, cat or dog, low-cost services. Excellent. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? I think I'd like to say that we are just so grateful that there is a community out there for community cats (laughs) and the people who love to take care of these animals. Like I said before, it's a problem that has been created and one that we hope that we can reverse. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to be our guest on the show. And I hope we'll have you on again in the future. And everybody, please see it, solve it. Just based on this conversation, we've gone to was one night a week, one night a month, one night. It started out as something very, very small, and it's built into eight different clinics, 40 offsite locations. So, you know, you can do it too. see it, solve it, build the capacity, increase spay, neuter, and really help your community cats. Tiffany, thank you so much. And I hope we'll have you on again in the future. Yes. Thank you, Stacey. It was a pleasure. That's it for this week. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We love to hear what you think and a five-star review really helps others find the show. You can also join the conversation with listeners, cat caretakers, and me on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to hit follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Thanks for listening. And thank you for everything that you do to help create a safe and healthy world for cats.